0: Hi everyone, I'm your co-host Rebecca, and I'm your co-host Rach, and welcome to another episode of Ember Island Sayers. This week
1: we're going to be talking about Season 2, Episode 5, Avatar Day. After a run-in with Fire Nation soldiers, Aang, Sokka, and Katara find themselves in a small Earth Kingdom village On Avatar Day, when they discover the day is not the celebration they imagined, they are forced to prove the Avatar's innocence. Elsewhere, Zuko continues to use his blue spirit disguise to his advantage.
0: All right. Yep, yep. So we are celebrating Avatar Day, although celebrating is not quite the right word.
1: Uh, We don't have any unfried dough with us, so.
0: Thank goodness. (laughs) What if I make that for Thanksgiving? Ew, don't do that. <laughs> I'm not. I'm making mooncakes. I'm quite excited. Oh, that is exciting. I'm making pumpkin pie. Mm, see, all of these are much better than unfried dough. <laughs> Agreed. But we'll get there.
1: First, do you want to read your poem for Sokka's Poetry Society?
0: I would love to. So my poem is about Avatar Kyoshi who I think was a star of this episode. Uh, Yeah, and I'm actually quite proud of it, so I hope you guys like it too. In my defense, did you really expect the Avatar to treat her home and people with neglect? In my defense, I didn't master soil, lava, wind, and ice, only to surrender to a tyrant who refused to heed my advice. In my defense, I stripped him of his dignity. In my defense, I turned the ground into the sea. In my defense, to bend can also be to break. In my defense, I made the earth quake. Ooh, snaps. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That was good, I liked it. <laughs> Thank you. I had some fun playing with words there, so. Yeah. I hope you guys enjoy the word play. <laughs> I couldn't think of another word for it. In your defense. I don't know that there are many synonyms for that. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. <laughs> so, I guess let's get into this episode then.
1: Alright, who should we start with?
0: I was going to suggest that maybe we start with the gang, because I feel like Zuko's story has a very like definitive ending.
1: Mm, okay.
0: Alright, we can do that. So we'll start then with a disgusting scene. There's a spider in Sokka's mouth. Literally, In Sokka's mouth. His mouth is open and the spider has made a web on it. Which did make me curious as to whether that was actually possible. And apparently it is, because apparently spiders could take about 30 minutes to 1 hour to spin their webs. So I guess as long as Sokka was asleep for between 30 minutes and 1 hour, then (laughs) it's possible. That's really gross. (laughs) Right?
1: I did think this was funny though, because Wiggles was like Wiggles is my cat, by the way, for people who don't know. She was pretty much watching this episode with me for some reason. It really intrigued her. And she got very excited about the spider at the beginning, which was funny because that's what Momo did. He got very excited about the spider. And I always compare Wiggles to Momo. I think they have the same chaotic energy. So.
0: (laughs) I love that, that's perfect. I also enjoyed the camera angle, actually, because the episode kind of starts from this weird inside Sokka's mouth camera angle. I think it's really neat, and actually that's one of the neat things you can do with animation, is you can have these camera angles that might be very difficult to achieve with an actual film. Mm -hmm, Definitely. Yeah, it was a cool opening, and Sokka was not super pleased about Momo trying to eat the spider from his mouth.
1: No, you discussed boundaries with Momo, which I thought was hilarious,
0: because Momo clearly doesn't understand what boundaries are. No, no, not at all. Most pets don't, in fairness. No,
1: they don't. Wiggles was trying to climb on me and sleep on me during this episode, so
0: point made. (laughs) Lucky is always trying to jump in my lap. In fact, he just did while I'm recording, so. Very accurate. (laughs) Yeah, this kind of lighthearted scene is unfortunately very quickly interrupted.
1: Yeah, so we got some new Fire Nation soldiers. I guess that's what they are. They look more like bounty hunters, I would say.
0: Yeah, and when I was looking up stuff on Avatar Wiki for the summary, I actually saw that their name is the Rough Rhinos. Oh, okay, so they're like a gang. I think so. I I think they're some kind of like squad. Within the Fire Nation army Mm, that are known as the Rough Rhinos. Because they did refer to them as Rough Rhinos, but I thought they were just talking about the animals. That's what I thought, too. (laughs) (laughs) But apparently that's actually their name.
1: Oh, okay. I guess they're like this nefarious squad, then, that people know about. I mean, they were kind of cool, just in concept, not... You know their actions, but yeah, <laughs> the concept yeah. of them is cool, and how they had like the archer and the guy with the explosives—they were the ones that really stood out to me. So
0: yeah, and I thought this sequence was kind of cool too. It was a quick little action scene, but I thought there was some nice, just like small uses of um, bending, and almost immediately within this sequence. Katara and Aang realize that they're going to have to go back because they're trying to run away because they left some stuff behind.
1: Yeah, so Katara's scrolls and Aang's glider are left in the scuffle and they're like, nope, we can't lose those things. (laughs) They sort of defend them and grab them and then hop on the back of Appa and get out of there.
0: And that's when Sokka realizes that he also forgot something, but realized it apparently a bit later than the other two. (laughs) Too late.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Poor Sokka.
0: Yeah, I think all of these items
1: that were almost lost have both a practical value and a cultural value. So it would be really awful to lose these things that are very precious to the Fire Nation because they're so little left of the Southern Water Tribe culture, and almost nothing left of Aang's culture.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. There is definitely a reason for them to be so attached to them. And actually, I hadn't really thought about why Sokka might be so attached to his boomerang, and I thought you raised a really good point in your notes about that.
1: Yeah, so Sokka's boomerang was gifted to him from Hakoda, his dad. So it's like the last tie that he has to his father, and I compare it to like Katara's necklace with her mother, and even though Hakoda's not dead, he's still been away for a long time, so I think that's why Sokka values it so much.
0: Yeah, I hadn't even stopped to consider that, but it really does make sense. And in this show I think they kind of play Sokka's sadness about his boomerang a little bit for laughs. Mm. which is maybe why I hadn't considered that there's this more serious side to it. But when you think about it from that perspective, it is pretty sad.
1: Yeah, I think they just do that because they know it's going to come back. (laughs) So it's not like this really, really sad. Oh no, he's lost his boomerang forever. Later on in the
0: episode, it'll come back to him, so... Well, boomerangs always come back, so... yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he's pretty devastated about it in kind of a comedic way. And, you know, he kind of talks about how it's part of his identity. And then he refers to other parts of people's identity, like he talks about Aang's tattoos. And then for the first time, we get to hear somebody refer to Katara's hair loopies.
1: The loopies, I love her hair
0: loopies. <laughs> They're so cute, I love them too. I thought it was fun that we got their proper name for the first time. Yes. And they seem to be kind of a thing for the Water Tribe women, right? Because there are other Water Tribe women who have kind of similar hairstyles.
1: Yes, I think that is a cultural hairstyle that Inuit people wear. Mm-hmm. Nice that they tied in
0: a little bit of that into the show. Yeah. Sokka is sad about the fact that he used to be Boomerang Guy and now he's Ponytail Guy, which I always thought Zuko was Ponytail Guy, but I guess <laughs> Zuko not doesn't anymore. have his Ponytail anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but that little scene with they are buying something, I think, in an Earth Kingdom village. Yeah, Sokka's just kind of sad that he's not Boomerang Guy anymore.
1: Yeah, this is also where we get to see that they have Water Tribe money, right? And this is a nice little detail because this kind of implied that the Northern Water Tribe gave them some money before they headed out on their journey. And I was like, oh, good for them. (laughs) I'm glad they didn't just leave these children to fend for themselves without any money. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I think that that was nice of them, too. And yeah, it was a cool little detail. It's nice to get these just little pieces of culture and to see how the cultures are different from each other. I always like that. And the fact that they only have Water Tribe money does come back later on in the episode. (laughs) Yes. They need to
1: get it exchanged, I feel like.
0: (laughs) Yeah, do they have uh, exchange offices in the Earth Kingdom? (laughs) I don't know. I feel like that's something the Earth Kingdom would do, but... I feel like they need to set some up if they don't have them already. Get on it, King Boomy. <laughs> He's a little preoccupied right now. So. Also, of all the kings, I wouldn't trust King Boomy to do that. <laughs> true, true. This is good point. <laughs> <laughs> they find out, along with you know, the fact that um, uh, they can pay for things with Water Tribe money—at least in this part—but not in other parts. They find out that there is a local village that is having something called Avatar Day.
1: Yeah, and they're all really excited about this actually. I don't know, they've been on a kind of a rough journey these past four episodes. (laughs) So I think they're glad for the reprieve. So they go to this village and they see these floats, these giant floats of the past avatars and there's Kyoshi and Roku and Aang. These floats were kind of cool, I did see that you thought that Aang 1 had a creepy smile which I think is kind of accurate. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well it was just a little strange because the other two had kind of normal neutral expressions and then Aang had this kind of smile that looked like a monster or something with <laughs> fangs. It was very weird. Yeah, I guess they were just trying
1: to portray that Aang is really happy but it did come off as a little bit creepy. <laughs> Aang didn't seem to mind, though. No, he he was very cute, because, you know, he was excited, but he said, it's just nice to be appreciated, which is very Ang.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's so sweet and humble.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, but then the things
1: take a turn for the worse.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't seem to be too keen on the Avatar, judging by the fact that they have a guy who comes in holding a torch, who was actually kind of hot. Simping for Torch Guy. <laughs> <laughs> he never speaks, so maybe that's why I'm able to just find him hot and not really think about it, because <laughs> I don't get a chance to think about like what his personality is or anything like that.
1: You can just project any personality you want onto this guy, which is great. <laughs>
0: exactly, exactly. He's just Hot Torch Guy.
1: <laughs> Love it.
0: I don't even know his name. Hot Torch Guy is his name. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe that's for the best. (laughs) But yeah, so Hot Torch Guy comes along and starts burning the avatars. I think Katara and Aang and
1: Sokka are just like, what the heck is going on? But Aang just kind of stands there and I think he was going to let them burn the float, but Katara was not having it.
0: I know, I love that she wouldn't even let them do any harm to a representation of Aang.
1: (laughs) And then he only got mad when somebody called her a party pooper. So I just think it's really cute that they stand up for each other all the time.
0: I do too, yeah. I think that's a really sweet aspect to their relationship. And then we get the revelation through this scene that these people actually hate the Avatar. Because they had a leader at one point in the past who was called Chin. Yes. And Chin was murdered by Kiyoshi. So they apparently think that Aang is guilty of this, even though it wasn't really Aang. (laughs) It's very nonsensical. It is, it is. And
1: they're very immature. Like, they make... Very stupid jokes, and I feel like the gang has more maturity than they do, <laughs> which is a little ridiculous, because they're all grown.
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree. They do have a, a little scene where uh, one of the guys in the crowd shows his butt the way Aang did, but again, Aang is a kid, like, right? <laughs> you're an adult. Aang has an excuse to do that, and you do not. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's all pretty ridiculous. And there is the mayor who, I actually didn't catch his name in the episode, but I looked it up after, and his name is Tong. And he's probably the most ridiculous. I didn't know if you saw in my notes,
1: but I wanted to know if you recognized his voice.
0: I did see your notes. (laughs) (laughs) And you gave me a hint, which I thought was perfect. And... After I read your hint, I was like, oh my god, of course it is.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I recognized his voice right away because it's, I think he plays like a very similar character in Mulan, which is Fu, who is kind of like a stickler. And yeah, the only girl who loves him is his mother. So <laughs> I think the same could be true of the mayor as well.
0: Right. I think the only difference between them is that I think that character in Mulan is a stickler for rules that are actually, like, in place in wider society. (laughs) Yes, yes. This guy is a stickler just for his own rules that he made up.
1: Right. He's definitely got an ego on him.
0: (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. But uh, that's great. I'm so glad that you discovered that they have the same voice actor.
1: (laughs) They have the same mustache as well, so... (laughs)
0: They do? (laughs) I wonder if they hired him based on that. They were like, can you just do the Mulan thing again? (laughs) I have a feeling
1: they probably did.
0: (laughs) Wouldn't be surprised. They tell him about their beef that they have with the Avatar, and Aang, bless his heart, thinks that he needs to stand trial for this Offense that he committed, although it was one of his past lives. And does the Avatar even remember all of his past lives? I don't think so. No,
1: not unless he like goes into the Avatar state, right, and like consults them. Right. You, you know, like he's done that with Roku, but unless he's like sitting down and having a chat with Kyoshi, then <laughs> it's not like he actually did this. It's just really ridiculous that. He's meant to be held accountable for something he didn't really do.
0: hmm
1: And I don't think these people are worth his time either. It'd be one thing if there were people you actually respected that were accusing you of these things, but
0: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree with you. They really should have just left, but then there wouldn't be an episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we do have some hilarity
0: that ensues, so. yeah. They do say that he needs to go through the whole justice process which involves bail and then that's when the money comes in because they don't have any Earth Kingdom money. Yes.
1: Unfortunately, they don't accept Water Tribe money here.
0: And there is a cool little transition from Aang's face to Aang behind bars, which I kind (laughs) of liked. That was funny. That was a good one. It was just a neat little way to go into the next scene. But Aang is behind bars. He's actually in stocks, I think, at that point, isn't he? (laughs) Yes. Poor thing. And Katara and Sokka are kind of talking at him. Sokka thinks that he should just airbend out of there, which is probably, you know, the right thing to do. (laughs) But Katara, I think, wants to go along with what Aang wants. So she says that they should try to find some evidence.
1: Always supportive of Aang.
0: (laughs) Yes. Bless.
1: They decide to kind of put Sokka in charge of this role of being a detective. Which is just amazing. (laughs) And very funny.
0: I do wonder if Katara was also doing that to give Sokka a bit of a morale boost.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think they both were, like, uh, Sokka lost his boomerang, and he's feeling upset, and, you know, Sokka's whole thing is wanting to be useful, and I think that without his boomerang, well, he's like, oh, well, now I don't have a weapon, like, they still have their bending, I don't have anything, so I think they were really trying to, like, include him, and give him this task to do.
0: (laughs) Maybe that's where I really relate to soccer because I also have this kind of thing about I always want to be useful. Mm. I just thought about that now that you started talking about (laughs) it, so that's interesting. I hadn't really considered that. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right that it's something that is very important to him. And it's also, I think, a thing that's played for a comedic effect, right? So we get Sokka with his hat, and I actually got some information from Avatar Wiki, which I did check, because you know Avatar Wiki is sometimes a little bit uh, <laughs> dodgy, but apparently the the hat that he's wearing is the winged cap that is traditionally worn by Chinese magistrates, and in Chinese literature these were often depicted as great detectives, so. That's
1: really cool. I didn't know that, so that's really interesting.
0: Yeah, I like that little nod. I think it's nice. Although, there's also a nod to, like, Western depictions of detectives, right? Because mm-hmm. it's also kind of a little bit Sherlock Holmesy. Yeah, yeah. But they definitely play up with that, especially with the um, pipe that he gets later. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> they also did a lot of, like, sound effects with him as well that were meant to be comedic when he was scuttering around looking for clues, so... <laughs>
0: Yes, yes. All of that stuff I thought worked really well. It was really funny. Yeah, it was.
1: I was thinking to myself, where did Sokka get that pipe? And then Katara asked him that like two seconds later and it was never explained to us.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's just one of those things. He just had it in
1: case he needed to play detective.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And he's he's not even got anything that's like actual... Smoke in that pipe, right? <laughs> it's like bubbles. <laughs> Why would you have a bubble pipe? Who knows? <laughs> it's Sokka. <soccer>. Yes. <laughs> Once he's got his detective garb on, he sets about investigating things. One of which is a footprint that supposedly is still there after 300 years. Uh, Yeah, so I think that was supposed to be
1: Chin's footprint and he earthbended So that's why it's still imprinted into the earth.
0: Oh, okay. But they are claiming at this point that it's Kyoshi's footprint. Mm Mm-hmm, yeah.
1: The murderer Kyoshi.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. They do some deducing about how the temple and the statue of Chin are made of the same material, therefore it's unlikely that um, the story is true that they're told, which is that Chin stepped out of the temple to face Kyoshi. Yep, yeah, wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. They kind of find some evidence, but it still doesn't seem to be enough to convince the mayor. Right, so it's at this point that they decide
1: they need to go to Kyoshi Island to find some more
0: information. Yes. Which is
1: very exciting, because this is... I think we're both very fond of Kyoshi Island.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes, I love Kyoshi Island. I was very excited when I realized they were going back there. Yeah, so Aang is still locked up,
1: (laughs) so they take Appa without him, and they fly to Kyoshi, which is just very
0: close. And they are greeted by people there, (laughs) Oh my god. I was so delighted when this guy comes onto the screen and I'm looking at him and I'm like, oh my god, I think that's Foaming Mouth Guy. (laughs) It looks like Foaming Mouth Guy. Wait, his mouth is starting to foam. I think it is Foaming Mouth Guy. (laughs) Amazing. And then I just laughed so hard and rewound the scene and watched it again. (laughs) (laughs) Foaming Mouth Guy is the best. I love him. I think he's great. He's not as hot as Hot Torch Guy, but he <laughs> makes up for it with his hilarity. They brought Coco back too, which I thought was
1: really cute, and she's asking where aang is. Yes! <laughs> and everyone is really disappointed that Aang isn't there, and I just thought to myself, hard same. Oh, <laughs> That would be my reaction
0: if they showed up. Well, no, I would still be happy to see Katara and Sokka, but... It was really fun just to return to Kiyoshi in general and to just get all these, like, little callbacks. And the next callback also made me so happy, which was that they're walking along with that guy whose name I don't remember.
1: Yeah, I guess we can just call him, like, the mayor of Kiyoshi.
0: Mm-hmm. But Sokka asks about Suki.
1: Yes. And Katara gave, like, this knowing face.
0: Oh, you can't see my face right now because this is a podcast, but I'm just like... Mm-hmm. So cute. Yeah, I'm very excited for when they are reunited, because I expect they will be relatively soon. Yeah, it did make me a little sad that Suki wasn't there, because Sokka was just like, hey, I was just wondering, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah, but then the mayor of Kyoshi he says that the gang inspired Suki to go out and change the world, which I just thought was so sweet. And... She will change the world, so... <laughs> Aww.
0: We love her so much. Yeah, I thought it was really cool that her and the other warriors have gone to fight, but I am a little concerned about them all now.
1: <laughs> Aww, yeah. I did think that was really cool, too, because, you know, we talked about in the Warriors of Kiyoshi episode how they've kind of been isolated On this island, and like, what are they doing to contribute and helping people during the war? And I think that you know, once they were able to meet people outside of their bubble and see what was really going on, that it inspired them to get out there and really start making a difference, which is really awesome.
0: Yeah, that's really nice. And you know, they are not just like random kids. Right. They are warriors. So I think that it's really valuable that they are, you know, using their skills to try and help other people.
1: Yeah. And we will get to see sort of what Suki's been up to in the meantime. And she is doing really fantastic work. So that's
0: exciting. (laughs) Yay. She's great. And yeah, I can't blame Sokka for asking about her because we all remember her very well even though we only met her once, so.
1: Yeah, another little detail that I liked was that the village looks like it has recovered really well after, you know, we were kind of left with it in shambles and burning down. So I'm really glad that they bounced back.
0: Yeah. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. They do look like they're doing pretty well. And they've turned the, I guess, the temple where Mm -hmm, Suki used to train um, into a little Kyoshi museum type thing, which is kind of cool.
1: Yeah. That was a funny bit where Katara and Sokka were touching everything in there and I was like, oh, they need some do not touch signs.
0: (laughs) They do. Well, I guess this museum is relatively new, so maybe they're still figuring things out. (laughs) I think the mayor knows for next time now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They probably don't get a lot of visitors, honestly. So That's true. That's true. Yeah, and that's when we get the revelation, so Katara and Sokka are looking over all of Kyoshi's things. They see her fans, which is cool. And then they discover that she had really big feet. Fun fact, Kiyoshi was seven feet tall. Well, that would probably explain why she had big feet, because she's (laughs) (laughs) very tall. Yeah, I think we really
1: both need to get our hands on the Kiyoshi novels, because I think we're both kind of fangirls of Kiyoshi.
0: (laughs) Oh, totally, especially after this episode, and we get to see her. I wrote a whole poem about it, so. Yeah, I definitely
1: want to learn more about her girlfriend, who is in the novels, who is
0: from the Fire Nation, actually. So. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. We do see her... Well, I mean, I guess she's mastered all the elements, but I did think it was interesting that when she does split the continent later on that you get, like, lava and fire coming up from the bottom.
1: I'll say a little bit more
0: about that when we get there. (laughs) Okay, sounds good, sounds good. From this, they deduce that Kyoshi couldn't have made that footprint because it's tiny. Mm -hmm. I was getting a bit frustrated with Sokka in this scene. (laughs) I think
1: he took the whole being useful to uh, a little too far.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because poor Katara was trying to do some deducing and he was like, no, shush, let me do it. And it's like, (laughs) come on, Sokka. Yeah, I think he deserved to get hit in the head with the pipe, to be honest. (laughs) I think so, too.
1: It was just more of that sibling dynamic that I really enjoy. I mean, Sokka was a little bit of a goob, but I did think it was true to their relationship.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I like that in your notes you pointed out that even though Aang wasn't there, at least we had this like good sibling dynamic, um, which is always <laughs> so much fun. Yes, I love
1: seeing Sokka and Katara interact. It's just great. Me too. That's why I wrote my
0: fanfic about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, so they also see a tapestry. Sokka and Katara figure out that the shadows are in the wrong direction for when they were told that this altercation took place between Chin and Kyoshi, And so they're like, oh, that's just another clue that their story is all wrong.
0: Mm-hmm. It was actually at sunset, not at sunrise. Right. So yes. So they've they've collected quite a lot of evidence at this point. Meanwhile, Aang <laughs> is bonding with some other people who are imprisoned. Yeah, he's talking to them about his crush
1: on Katara and they're all kind of encouraging him to go for it, which was actually really sweet. <laughs>
0: I really liked that scene, especially because earlier we had a scene of just the one guy approaching Aang, Mm. and he's kind of scary, and I was worried that, you know, they were going to try to harm Aang or something like that, and then it just turned out to be this really wholesome, sweet scene, and I was like, oh, I'm glad that that wasn't the way I expected.
1: It was also funny because Aang just, like, slipped out of his shackles, which they never fit him, he was just wearing them, too appease the people of the village which is really funny and it kind of makes me wonder like what these prisoners are in there for because this village is extremely nonsensical as we've established
0: yeah well what we find out when Sokka and come back because they have all this evidence is that the mayor doesn't really care about evidence his idea of like truth and justice is just like You say your side, I'll say my side, and then I decide who's right. Yeah,
1: like, his word is law, pretty much.
0: Yeah, it did remind me of a certain outgoing president, (laughs) just a little bit. I won! Did you, though? Did you? (laughs) Can your evidence explain how I didn't win? Yes, yes it can! (laughs) That aside, it does make you wonder, you know, what those people did. Because it really seems like they have no real justice in this village.
1: Yeah, probably one of them was just, like, reading a book on Kyoshi or something, and they were like,
0: prison! <laughs> yeah, and, like, Kyoshi wasn't even the Avatar before Aang, so I guess they spent a lot of time also hating Roku. Right. <laughs> okay. For, you know, a very stupid reason. I mean, maybe there are other reasons for people to hate Roku, but for this particular reason, it doesn't really make sense.
1: Yeah, I bet Roku never went there. <laughs> He stayed away from this
0: village. He probably, that was smart, if he did. Yeah, they try to present their evidence. Well, unfortunately,
1: Aang has to present it himself. Mm. He cannot have a lawyer.
0: Right, yeah, yeah. This was the scene that made me think that Aang was definitely not getting MVP. This episode. (laughs) Poor Aang. Sorry, Aang, but... uh... (laughs) He
1: just can't get it right. And Katara and Sokka are just sitting there like, oh no, he's gonna die.
0: (laughs) Yep, yep. And they're like trying to smile and like give him the thumbs up and they're like, yeah, no.
1: (laughs) Never put Aang on the witness stand.
0: No, bless him. He's good at many things, but not that.
1: I did think that was pretty in character though, like him being a terrible lawyer
0: <laughs> well I think lawyers you know they have to to a certain extent put themselves in someone else's shoes and I think Aang is somebody who is just very genuine mm, yeah and I mean uh, I think he's very good at empathizing with people but I think he's just very bad at pretending to be something he's not Mm-hmm, definitely
1: but then he literally puts someone else's shoes on.
0: True! Oh, dang, nice transition, I like that. <laughs> yeah, so they dress him up as Kiyoshi, Which is wonderful. Honestly, I think he looks stunning. He really does. <laughs> I think that makeup actually looks good on people in general. Like, I think it really brings out people's features and it just looks really cool. But I think on Aang particularly, it just looks really <laughs> awesome. I like
1: this too, because he kind of made a little jab at Sokka in the Kyoshi Warriors episode, but now he has to wear the Kiyoshi garb, so...
0: There you go, Aang.
1: <laughs> he doesn't seem bothered by it at all, though.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I think he's matured a little bit since then. Yes, yes. So at first, I think Sokka is pretty skeptical this is going to work, but... Katara seems to think that it might because it was her idea. And it turns out actually better than they had hoped. (laughs) At first, anyway. (laughs) Yes, yes. Yeah, so we get Kiyoshi
1: manifesting. You know, we've seen this before with Roku, but it's exciting that it's happened with a past life that's even further back than Roku, and she gets to tell her side of the
0: story. She has a great voice. I didn't look up who her voice actress is, but I did think she had a really good voice.
1: Yeah, it was really fitting. I felt, like, very powerful.
0: Yes, yes. She is just awesome. (laughs) (laughs) She's just so cool. (laughs) She literally split the earth. And when I was writing my notes, I wrote, I am shook. And then I was like, (laughs) Oh no, I made another pun accidentally. But I was shook by the fact that she shook the Earth.
1: Yeah, I thought this was a cool demonstration of the Avatar state and how it can actually be used in a controlled way if you understand how to do that. I think this is the first time really canonically we've gotten that the Avatar state can be controlled.
0: Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought about that.
1: Because before it's just been like, you know, a defense mechanism as Roku
0: explained. hmm But she was very deliberate about it because yeah. she even warns Chin. So the story that we get is that Chin was a tyrant, was trying to take over the whole Earth Kingdom. And when he got to Kyoshi, he told her to surrender and she warned him that he shouldn't mess with her.
1: Which he really shouldn't have. What an idiot. <laughs>
0: seriously extremely dumb (laughs) and she very deliberately says i warned him that i would not sit passively while he took our home she split the island of kyoshi from the rest of the continent which makes sense because we just learned that the island of kyoshi is very close yes yeah that's the story of kyoshi and that's how how the island exists
1: yeah, imagine being so powerful that you just create your own island.
0: Amazing. I love, <laughs> love these. Just when female characters get to have these, like, big displays of power, I just love it. <laughs> it's very cool. He kind
1: of, like, falls to his death. It's very ambiguous. Mm. And I don't really consider that murder because she doesn't actually, you know, like, Lava bend him or something.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Lava bend sounds fun.
1: Yeah, he kind of just falls after the Earth is split. And actually that will be disputed in an episode in book three. And Kiyoshi will give her thoughts on that. But for now, to me that's not really murder, but the people of the village don't really seem to care about the semantics.
0: <laughs> well, also, Kyoshi says that she murdered him.
1: Yeah, that's true. She did.
0: She's like, yeah, I murdered him, but it was justified. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had it coming. Oh, we could have used that for our song. <laughs> we could have done. Oh, goodness. But that is kind of a sad song. <laughs> and we're trying to go happier this episode. You guys will be glad to know. But yeah, I think that was an appropriate song for <laughs> Chin. Although... That song is about like lovers and what I do like about Kiyoshi is that her power is very much detached from, you know, romance or anything like that.
1: Yeah, she's very loyal to her
0: people. Mhm. Yes. I really like that about her. Just a very awesome scene, um but unfortunately, as you said, the consequences don't turn out to be the best for A.
1: Yeah, they're like, "Well, that proves it." Time to bring out the Wheel of Punishment. It's like the Wheel of Fortune, but a hundred times oh, worse. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was kind of funny that there was only a 12% chance that the Wheel of Punishment would land on community service, which is, like, accurate to the real justice system.
0: <laughs> Ooh.
1: Just saying. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, no, it's true. And the punishments were all so ridiculous and then you had the villagers yelling which punishment they wanted which was just kind of funny and also terrible it was very barbaric yeah it was it was very like medieval torture style
1: it was like getting eaten by a platypus bear or put him in like the torture chamber somebody yelled it was just like
0: he's 12 (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's a good point did they forget about that I feel like they
1: don't even see him as a person. Like, the avatar has just become this symbol to them. It's just like, he's a little boy. (laughs) Please don't. They have some problems. They really do. It lands on being boiled in oil. Oh boy.
0: Yeah. I do feel like the boiled in oil thing was just a setup for that joke at the end. With the unfried (laughs) dough.
1: Sokka did talk about
0: eating fried dough in the beginning, though. Yeah, well, I think that was all part of the setup. Right, the link. <laughs> it's like the long con, you know? Yes. It's all kind of set up uh, for this, this joke at the end about not boiling something in oil. But just before Aang is going to get boiled in oil, they actually are distracted by the fact that the rough rhinos show up.
1: Yeah, so they've come to conquer the village. And... You know, I don't really believe in imperialism, but if there's a village, that should be conquered.
0: <laughs> they also had it coming.
1: <laughs> they really did. Yeah, I li- I liked that because it was some poetic justice that the town basically got attacked the way Kiyoshi Island did in the first season. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. And Aang is very sassy about this, which I thought was funny.
0: He was like, "Gee, I'd love to help, but I'm supposed to be boiled in oil." <laughs> and the mayor is just like, "Forget about that," and he just moves the wheel to the punishment of community service. <laughs> yes, and says that his community service is to save them.
1: <laughs> we get a kind of long sequence of the gang sort of working together to take out the rough rhinos, which I thought was pretty well done and. Them all using their specific weapons, and of course, this is when Boomerang comes back.
0: <laughs> I like how you referred to it as Boomerang, as if that, that's his name. <laughs> that's what Sokka does, so. <laughs> that's true, he does do that. Aw, oh, bless. Boomerangs, as we know, do always come back, so yeah, Sokka and the Boomerang are reunited. And it feels so good. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so they take them out...
1: And then the village decides, oh, now we can celebrate the Avatar
0: instead. And it's like, wow. (laughs) Wow. And they're going to celebrate the Avatar with terrible snacks.
1: Unfried dough. Delicious.
0: Yeah. And uh, I did like your final note. I think it's a good place to leave off on. Sokka eats
1: his unfried dough and says, This is by far the worst town we've ever been to. And I just wrote, pretty much. They really were the worst. Like, if you just continue to think about it, they had no redeemable qualities whatsoever.
0: Apart from Hot Torch Guy.
1: (laughs) True. I'd like to
0: think they just, like, commissioned him to come (laughs) run their torch. He didn't even know that, you know, they would be burning the Avatar. He just does his torch thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's just like a himbo that comes (laughs) in and and burns the it floats hot torch guy has nothing to do with the bad parts of this village (laughs) it's canon now
0: i appreciate that so much (laughs) (laughs) we talked about last episode you mentioned that this episode is probably not the best of season two and i think my reaction to it is just that it was very uneven that you know, it had some really cool, funny moments, like you said, and then just some really head scratching moments that I didn't really understand. Yeah, it's an up and down episode as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like I definitely have a lot of fun watching it, mm-hmm. and it's not one that I would want to skip because I do think there are some great moments, like the Kiyoshi moment obviously is not something that you want to gloss over. But it is a little bit uneven. And it's not bad at all, you know? (laughs) Yeah. But it's not the best.
0: Well, we still have a little bit more to talk about for this episode. Yes. So let's
1: rewind. We get this little sequence introducing Zuko's parts of the episode, and Iroh as well, where he is stealing food from, they kind of look like peasants to me, Mm. or lower class people, because they aren't wearing any shoes. That was just something I noticed, and I was just thinking, like, is this really the look you want to go for, Zuko?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty bad. I mean, like, it's one thing to be, like, robbed from the rich to feed the poor, but if you're just robbing from the poor to feed yourself, who is a rich person, that's not cool. (laughs) Right, exactly.
1: It's definitely not vigilante justice it's just him being dramatic
0: (laughs) yes yes I really liked your note about that yeah
1: like he could have snuck into the town at night and just took like a basket of food or something because they look to be in like this merchant part of town where there was just food sitting around and he just could have taken that at night but instead he dressed up as the blue spirit and in broad daylight robbed these people with his frickin' swords. (laughs) Like,
0: so unnecessary! (laughs) That's some, like, villain in a comic book stuff right there.
1: (laughs) It really is.
0: And there are also
1: oranges on the tree in the village that he stole from, and I was like, you could have just climbed the tree and got some oranges! (laughs) <laughs> That's too
0: simple for Zuko.
1: I was getting really mad at him.
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He is just being ridiculous. Iroh is kind of cottoning on to it, even though Iroh isn't present when he does these things. Mm-hmm. Iroh has figured out that I wrote that the blue spirit is now the blue bandit because that seems to be what he's turned into now.
1: Yeah, Iroh pretty suspicious about what's going on and you can't blame him because Zuko's coming back with these really nice things. Like a teapot. Yeah so then he does steal from a rich jerk which I approve of. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yes (laughs) that guy I think that's what got me thinking about Robin Hood because that guy (laughs) reminds me so much of King John from the Disney Robin Hood. Just
1: going along in his carriage counting his money right
0: (laughs) exactly exactly it's like all he was missing was um is it sir hiss
1: yes
0: (laughs) (laughs) i love sir hiss
1: underrated disney movie i will say
0: i agree i agree yeah that guy was was definitely major king john vibes and him you're right it's not a big deal if zuko steals from him
1: yeah i'm okay with that it's when you just like Rob from peasants that I'm just like, no, that's not okay.
0: (laughs) But I don't think Zuko cares particularly who he steals from.
1: No, he doesn't.
0: So when he gets back again to Iroh, this is when Iroh kind of spills some tea of his own. (laughs) Yeah, this is the
1: first time really we've seen him almost lecture Zuko. It's in a very loving way. Mm -hmm. But... I think it's the first time he's not like just going along with whatever Zuko wants, which is nice to see that.
0: Yeah, it was really nice to have somebody finally tell Zuko that like capturing the avatar isn't going to solve all your problems. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> yeah, and he said especially not now because they're fugitives. So even if he did capture the avatar, like what does he think that's going to do for him? His father's just gonna take him back right away like
0: "Mm, i don't know about that (laughs) yeah yeah and it's funny because i noticed on avatar wiki they mentioned that this is actually the first episode in season four where he does mention that he wants to capture the avatar
1: Mm -hmm.
0: so that's kind of interesting i wonder what it was that made him kind of go back to that mindset honestly i think it's probably that he just doesn't know what else to do
1: Yeah, it definitely seems like desperation at this point. And he is still clinging to this idea that he can go back home at the end of the day. And I think Iroh's past that. Like, Iroh has accepted that they're going to live this new life and get new identities and just live as civilians. But Zuko can't let go of his lifestyle before this
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and i really love Iroh's speech here i thought it was a really lovely piece of advice that he gives zuko especially the line when he says in the
1: darkest times hope is something you give yourself
0: i thought that was really good advice just for anyone (laughs) yes yes
1: not just zuko
0: (laughs) yeah yeah it was just really you know well said that I think it's important to remember that there are things that are in your control, even though it might seem like a lot is out of your control, and a lot might be out of your control, there are still things that are in your control, and one of those is you can still have hope. I think one of the problems is that
1: Zuko finds hope in the wrong places, so he he's thinking these things that'll bring harm to others give him hope, and Ira's trying to discourage him from that and tell him, like, you need to find your own source of hope instead of thinking, like, oh, if I capture Aang, that'll solve everything. And what are the consequences to that as well? Zuko's never thinking about the consequences of the world. He's just thinking, like, What can he do for himself?
0: That's such a good point. His trying to find hope is detrimental to other people. Mm -hmm. So Zuko then wanders off. For a second, I had a tiny bit of hope that maybe he'd learn something. (laughs) Which, I don't know why I still have hope. You know, maybe deep down... It says something about the fact that I still have hope for Zuko. (laughs) Maybe there's a part of me that likes him. I think part of it is that
1: I think we can all relate to Iroh on some level, and we all really like him. And so Iroh loving Zuko, there has to be this redeemable part of Zuko in order for Iroh to love him. And so we want to give Zuko the same chance that Iroh is giving him. I think that's a big part of it. Oh, you're so right. Even Iroh will like dismiss Azula and dismiss Ozai. So him giving Zuko a chance means that like Zuko really does have
0: goodness in him. That's a really clever thing for the writers to do is to position these two characters together so that you sympathize with Iroh, and therefore you could kind of understand Zuko a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think it's very good writing.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. I like that a lot. I guess Zuko ultimately decides to break that relationship.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: So he's decided that he's going to be alone. And I thought it was interesting that in your notes, you thought that this was probably a good thing. I, having not seen the whole show, Mm. I didn't see it as necessarily a good thing. Yeah, I think that
1: Iroh choosing not to say anything and actually giving him the ostrich horse kind of shows that Iroh knows that this is something that Zuko needs. That was kind of my interpretation of it. But yeah, I can see how like not seeing the whole show... It definitely looks like Zuko's splintering this relationship, and that's just going to be horrible for him in the long run. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, Iroh is all he has left at this point, so yeah. I just worry that he doesn't have any guidance. But I guess sometimes it can be beneficial to be on your own. Sometimes I feel like when you need to make an important decision, sometimes you have to like listen to other people, but just be alone for a little bit. And listen to yourself as well. So maybe I could see how it might be beneficial. And I know there's an episode coming up that is called Zuko Alone. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> I figure they'll deal with it then.
1: Another part of it too, I think, is that Zuko needs to be opened up to more people and more cultures. So Iroh has like the same upbringing as Zuko basically and is still royal even though he has great advice he can't show Zuko like a completely different perspective so Zuko going out into the world and meeting people that are completely unlike him I think he needs that exposure to different cultures and different problems that these people face as well. I love your insights this episode. Oh,
0: thank you. These are just things that are coming to me. I'm very happy with myself. (laughs) I mean, your insights are very good always, but I just really like your insights in this episode. Very cool. Yeah, I think that will be valuable to Zuko. We saw that a little bit with Song. Even though, obviously, he ended up stealing the ostrich horse and everything, I think there was a moment when we talked about it of recognition, at least. Yeah, definitely. That episode will be an interesting one to cover. Um, We're going to have a guest for that episode, so that will be fun. Yes, very excited. (laughs) Yes. Not next episode, but the one after, right? Correct. Okay. But for now, we say goodbye to the duo Zuko and Iroh. Okay, so this episode, as we said, kind of uneven. It has some important things in it. This development is obviously quite important. Uh, Yeah, I can see why you said that it was... Maybe not the best episode of season two. Like I said, it kind of takes you off the beaten
1: path a little bit. so that's that's one thing we discussed about why we didn't enjoy like the Omashu episode in the first season is because it was like deterring from the
0: main plot. Yeah, they don't even mention looking for an earthbending teacher right. in this episode, <laughs> but that will definitely be addressed next episode, I imagine. Heck yeah. Alrighty. So, is it time for us to pick our MVP? Uh, Yeah, but I don't know who I'm going to (laughs) pick. Oh, don't you? I know. Oh, are you going to pick Kyoshi? Yes, of course I'm going to pick Kyoshi. (laughs) Yeah, I thought she was totally the MVP of this episode, if for nothing else, for splitting a whole continent.
1: For ridding the world of Chin the Conqueror. (laughs) Yes,
0: yes. For stripping him naked and then ridding the world of it. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Oh, one thing we didn't talk about was um, Aang got to fight with the fans as well this episode. Oh yeah,
1: he got to fight with like the whole makeup and fans on, which I thought was really cool and fun.
0: Yeah, I love that too. I thought it was really nice to see him kind of channeling Kyoshi, even though he wasn't Kyoshi at that point. Yeah, yeah. Do you have someone else? I also thought Iroh was very good in this episode, but.
1: He was, yeah. I don't know. I was almost thinking of the gang, like, all together, but let's just give it to Kiyoshi.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The gang, I think, also, they all had their moments, but, you know, like, Aang, for example, did a terrible job at defending himself. (laughs)
1: And Sokka was a little bit of a jerk to Katara. Yeah, and... <laughs> yeah.
0: Katara was actually probably the most unscathed in yes. in all this, but that's why I, I would be a little bit hesitant about giving it to the gang.
1: <laughs> they had quite a few blunders, but, you know, they came out on top at the end.
0: As they always do.
1: I'm, I'm cool with Kiyoshi.
0: <laughs> Alright, then we will go with it.
1: Okay, I guess it's time then to move on to the Ember Island playlist.
0: And we have upbeat songs this week.
1: Yay. Would you like to go first? Okay, sure. Why not? (laughs) So, I was having a really hard time finding a song for this episode, and I kind of vibed off of your vibes. (laughs) And I picked Relax, Take It Easy by Mika, who's one of my favorites. I just love Mika so much. He's great. He's really great. (laughs) And I thought that this could apply to both storylines, so the Zuko storyline as well as the gangs. Some of the lyrics work really well. Like, it's as if I'm scared, it's as if I'm terrified, it's as if I'm playing with fire. So I thought that might work with him and Iroh kind of telling him, relax, relax take it easy, (laughs) for there is nothing that we can do. (laughs) But that also applies to the mayor, like, relax, take it easy, blame it on me or blame it on you.
0: Yes, yes. At the end
1: of the day, like, it's not that big of a deal. You don't need to burn a 12-year-old child alive in oil.
0: So. (laughs) In fact, you might say that uh, the mayor needs to calm down. yes (laughs) (laughs) yes <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, so i also went with an album that is very colorful <laughs> and i ended up choosing a taylor swift song which is uh you need to calm down <laughs> i just thought it could apply to mostly katara and also kiyoshi talking to the mayor you are somebody that i don't know but you're taking shots at me like it's patrone and i'm like damn it's 7 a.m <laughs> So it's the idea of the mayor being this, like, random person who is just trying to go after the Avatar. And then also later on we have, you are somebody that we don't know, but you're coming at my friends like a missile. Um, So it's, you know, kind of like Katara being like, why are you doing this to my friend? Yes. <laughs> and I do think that uh he needs to calm down and he's being too loud. <laughs> yes. Amen. And it also kind of has some allusions to, like... um. It has an allusion to GLAD and, you know, there's a lot of gay and lesbian and bisexual people in the video. <laughs> yes. So I thought that was kind of nice too because it kind of ties it into Kyoshi a little bit. I hope you will enjoy this week with happier songs. <laughs> <laughs> so with that said, should we talk a little bit about next week's episode? All right, I am excited, because guess who you get to meet, finally! (laughs)
1: Toph! Yes, Toph is coming. Hooray! It's so weird, because when she finally gets introduced, it's like she's been here the whole time, so... (laughs) Yeah, we get introduced to Toph in the next episode, and it's a really fun one. I don't want to give too much away,
0: so that's not really all I'm going to say. I have already been spoiled that Toph is in fact a girl.
1: Yeah, it's hard not to be spoiled on that.
0: Yeah, yeah, from talking to other people and stuff, Um, but I did not know that when I first started out this podcast, some people might remember.
1: Yeah, which is really funny because Toph was originally meant to be a boy when they started the show. So. Ah,
0: <laughs> so was Azula, right, you said? Ooh. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad... They changed both of them to girls.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think
1: that's fantastic.
0: <laughs> yes, and I'm excited for Katara to finally have a female friend. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, she had Yue for a little bit.
1: Yeah, that was very brief.
0: I know that the name of the episode, The Blind Bandit, refers to her. hmm So I'm guessing she's blind, which is
1: interesting. I don't know. I think this is a fun one for Sokka and Katara as well. They get some really great interactions with other characters.
0: <laughs> oh nice, I always love seeing them together. So, Okay, well, until that episode, if you want to find us on Twitter, we are at Ember Sayers, and we tweet out Graphics of the MVP, we have our Ember Island playlist up there as well if you want to listen to it. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys, so anytime you want to chat to us on Twitter. Please feel free. We have an email, emberislandsayers at
1: gmail.com, where you can send us any comments, questions, suggestions, reviews. And if you would like them to be read out during the podcast, just let us know.
0: If you don't want them to be read out, that is fine as well. (laughs) And we are available on multiple platforms, including Spotify. I think most of our listeners actually listen on Spotify, (laughs) but also Apple Podcasts. If you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, then it would be really great if you could leave us a review and a rating. Five stars would be amazing. And I guess with that, I will tell everyone to stay flaming.
1: Stay flamin', everybody, but not in a boiling pot of oil. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it was a foaming in anticipation. Premature foam. Isn't that also, like, dangerous if it has eggs in it? (laughs) I don't know that the Avatar world
1: has salmonella, but... (laughs) Stay as flaming as the hot torch guy.